0: Good morning, everyone. Matthew 26. When Jesus had finished all these words, the words from the Mount of Olives, most of which regarding the end times, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas, and they plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise a riot might occur among the people. Well, here we are, you know, and Jesus is very, very familiar with the fact that he has the foreknowledge that he is going to be arrested, and it's coming on a very special Jewish holiday, a religious festival called Passover and we'll see more of the significance of that today and it's one of the great testimonies and evidences of Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I think it's really important to know all that is indicated by the fact that Jesus Christ died on Passover. Verse 6, now when Jesus was in Bethany, which is just over the Mount of Olives, not far from Jerusalem, at the home of Simon the leper. Isn't that interesting? One of them that he's cured. Um, Jesus always helping those who have need and associated with, associating with anyone. Um, in fact, all his disciples were just, you know, really common men. And even those despised, like Matthew, the tax collector, who we're reading from right now, you know, Jesus did not go to the, the religious leaders, the priests, the Sanhedrin. Instead, he just found common men who would follow him. And a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, why this waste? For this perfume could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. And We learn from, I believe, the Apostle John that this was Judas who was supposedly concerned about this. And as we'll see, Judas is, and Jesus knows, is on the verge of betraying him right now. And perhaps this little episode here where Judas is feeling like maybe, I don't know, Jesus is, is getting too much here, you know, that this cost could have gone elsewhere is something that additionally put him over the edge, but he was going to be over the edge anyways, and Jesus knew it. You know, Jesus has such great foreknowledge of the things that are going to take place. And I also think, you know, when you have an enemy in your midst, like Jesus did in Judas, it's hard to hide that. You can sense that, and, and Jesus obviously having even a special ability to do that. But, But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my head, she did it to prepare me for burial. He knows what's about to happen. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. And here we are doing that now. Matthew writing it down and we're testifying to the woman preparing Jesus for his Passover burial that is about to take place. Then one of the 12, and here we have it, named Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me to betray him? And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. From then on, he began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. Some have said, well, perhaps this is the price of a slave from Exodus chapter 21, Um 30 pieces of silver has some Old Testament history to it. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread. Now, this is going to be Thursday, okay? And the, it's very important to know that the Jewish people had their days flip at sunset versus what we do in America today being at midnight. And and so it it's Thursday to them but when the sun sets this evening and Jesus is then going to be celebrating passover with his apostles it is going to be friday and then all through the night it's friday and all the next day and the day that Jesus goes to the cross is friday and it, it you'll you know at sunset on what would be our friday it was going to change to the sabbath that next evening when the sun set. So that's how Jesus is celebrating Passover on Friday and why he dies still on Good Friday because it's the same Jewish 24 hour period. So now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Now, these are good Jews, right? They're, they're, they know that they are supposed to honor and celebrate the Passover. And let's recall that for a moment and we could go back to Exodus 12 when the Israelites were in Egypt and slaves and God finally through his 10th and final plague, the Passover was going to set, set the Israelites free from the Egyptian Pharaoh. And that night they were to take of a lamb and sacrifice the lamb and eat of the lamb that evening and put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of their house. And that night, God's uh, destroying spirit was going to come over Egypt. But anyone who had the blood of the lamb over their doorposts, which is what God told them, they were going to be saved. But anyone who did not have the blood of the lamb over their doorposts, God would know that they didn't receive his instructions. They were not his people. And Anyone who did not have that, they were going to lose the firstborn of their house, either cattle or family. And indeed, Pharaoh, after refusing to let Israel go after nine plagues, on this tenth plague, Pharaoh of Egypt is going to lose his firstborn son and firstborn cattle in Egypt. And that's when he's finally going to relent and let God's people go. And there enough, sure enough, it happened that night as they celebrated and eight of this lamb, uh, the fact that they were going to be set free, that next morning Pharaoh loses his son, he lets God's people go, and then they take off, but they get trapped, so to speak, by the sea, and that's when then Pharaoh's army, he changes his mind, he chases after God's people, and that's when God parted the sea, the Israelites went through on dry ground, and Pharaoh's army got swallowed up by the sea, trying to chase after Israel. That whole event is known as Passover. It's one of the most amazing miracles of God in all of history. And it was the day that the blood of the lamb saved them from the spirit of destruction. And here we have Jesus on the day that he's going to die. He is, as John announced right early on in Jesus' ministry, He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when Passover begins, and they're celebrating Passover that night, as we'll see, he's going to celebrate communion with them as a symbol of his blood and his body that's going to be broken in that same Passover day. And and Jesus' blood is now what saves us. Just as the blood of the Lamb saved them back on the first Passover, now Jesus is... His blood is going to save us through faith in his sacrifice. He's going to be our lamb. He's going to take our sin. And you know, there's 365 days in a year. And Passover is only one day. That's only a 0.31% chance, one third of 1% chance that something would happen on that day. And sure enough, the day that Jesus Christ goes to the cross for us is on that one day. It's an incredible miracle that God could time up the death of Jesus to happen on his special day that the blood of the lamb saves people. And sure enough, that's the day that Jesus died. So he says, where do you want to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, and here's the foreknowledge of Jesus again. The teacher says, my time is near. I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. You know, they found the man, they found the house that they were going to celebrate in that upper room. Now, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table. See, now is when they would recline. They wouldn't recline at the table until after evening came because that's when officially Passover was going to be kicked off. So he's with his 12 disciples. Judas Iscariot now is there with them. He's already agreed to betray him, but now he's eating the meal with Jesus. Truly I see you that one of you will betray me, being deeply grieved that each... One began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed! It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Jesus knew that it was Judas. Now, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. Now, this is really important. We've already talked about this is Passover. He said he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is really important because God's people were living under the Mosaic Covenant. And you might recall when the Mosaic Covenant came into place, Moses made a sacrifice and then he sprinkled blood on the people and said, do you agree to this covenant, the old covenant, the Mosaic Covenant to follow the law? And they all agreed, and and Moses had the sacrifice, and he sprinkled the blood. And that's what inaugurated that sacrifice and that bloodshed was like the signature on the covenant. It's what inaugurated the Mosaic Covenant. And that Mosaic Covenant was in effect all the way to this day. But back in Jeremiah chapter 31, that was some 600 years-ish before we get to Jesus. Jeremiah in chapter 31 said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And that was a a promise that one day there's going to be a new covenant. And the signature line of that new covenant is that I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sins no more. So this was a covenant that they were waiting for. And let let me just take you briefly to Jeremiah 31 and, and read that. Um, Jeremiah 31 and we'll find it in verse 31. Listen to this. Behold, the days are coming declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant, which I made with their fathers in the day. I took them by my hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. See, so Jeremiah is referring back to Passover, the original Passover, many, many years earlier, my covenant, which they broke. See, They agreed. When Moses sprinkled that blood to obey the covenant, but they didn't obey it, they broke it. And as a result of it, they were under the curse of the covenant instead of the blessing of the covenant. The old covenant was a covenant of blessings and curses. Well, because they disobeyed, they were under the curse of it. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant Jeremiah's signed 600 years before this meal that Jesus is having at the Last Supper. But this is the covenant which I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart, and I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach each again. They will not again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I... And their sin I will remember no more. So when the new covenant comes, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. But when you inaugurate a covenant, you have a sacrifice. That's very common in with God in making covenants. There were sacrifices. There was at Noah's day when he got off the ark and God said, I'll never flood the earth again. And he made a covenant with, with Noah and Noah had a sacrifice. and. When Moses uh, inaugurated the old covenant, there was a sacrifice. And here, this, this prophesied new covenant is now coming into being. And now that you've read all that, listen to this. Jesus, at, on Passover, by the way, you know, the symbolism here is just wonderful. He gave it to them. Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant. This is the covenant that Jeremiah, we just read, that Jeremiah prophesied, which is poured out for many. And what was the signature of the uh, the covenant, the new covenant? For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And what does it say here in verse 28? Uh, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many, all who believe, by the way, for the forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, and now, even at the Last Supper, Jesus here is pointing to coming again. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Well, what an amazing thing we have. Jesus celebrating Passover, which we now call the Last Supper, inaugurated the New Covenant. And now the forgiveness of sins and being right with God isn't through the law. It is through faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to, be forgiven of your sin and you want to be sure of heaven, you need the blood of the new covenant. You need to believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross and rose again. And as a result of your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the shedding of his blood for us, now we who believe can have the forgiveness of sins until one accepts that for themselves and believes that Jesus is Lord and and he rose from the dead they are still under the curse of the law. They're still under the fact that they didn't follow the law and they're under the penalty of not living up to God's standard. But Jesus Christ took our penalty on that cross to forgive us of the disobedience we had for not following the law correctly. He took our curse on himself so that we could be the righteousness of God, so that we could have right standing with God. And he did it all on Passover. And when you understand all of that, man, it makes it so easy to believe because God did it all on his one special day. Hallelujah. So much rich biblical history coming together there. And praise God, it just strengthens my faith and gives me resolve to live for the Lord. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And I just want to say, you know what? If, if you haven't officially done that, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you really should. You should pray a prayer of faith to Jesus saying, I believe in you. I, I trust you as the Lord of my life. I believe you died and rose again. And I would say, if you haven't gotten baptized yourself, I would encourage you to get baptized. To, to, to go to a church that baptizes people when they place their faith in Jesus And to go ahead and get baptized because that's just the best way to express your faith in Jesus is to physically express it through the commitment of baptism. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And that is a passage from Zechariah from the Old Testament. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. And and Matthew really notes that because he's saying, after I come back from the dead, uh, I'm going to have you meet me in Galilee. And sure enough, that's where the great commission was given. Now, Galilee was, you know, far away. You know, we're talking 80, 100 miles away from Jerusalem to the north by the Sea of Galilee. And they're going to meet him up on a mountain there. But Anyways, we still haven't gotten to the death of Christ. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing too. It's interesting. I'm not sure if that's in... I'm not going to go look right now, but if it's always says that all the other disciples said the same thing, Matthew seems to sometimes not want to, uh, you know, I don't know, like be gracious towards others. He's like, you know what? It wasn't just Peter. It was the rest of us. I had a, I had a remarkable experience um, on, on Resurrection Sunday a few years back. It must have been about four or five years ago now, but. I went for a hike on the Ice Age Trail in Wisconsin where I live, and I went out <clears throat> early in the morning and the sun was just getting up, and in order to go on this ex- this uh, part of the trail, I walked by a farm, and they had roosters, and it was the sun was coming up, and sure enough, on Resurrection Sunday morning, the roosters were it was a really quiet morning, and the roosters were crowing and uh, I'll just never forget that and it obviously made me think of of Peter uh, although this is not on resurrection sunday this would be on you know good friday morning but you know the rooster's crow early in the morning and you know Jesus this is now this is now uh you know he's going to hear the rooster's crow that good friday morning he's not hearing it yet but Jesus knows it's going to happen and when that happens Peter's going to be really sad that he he can't believe he at this moment that he, he will deny the Christ three times in just a you know a matter of hours and he so strongly says I won't do it but yet he does before the sun really comes up in the morning then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples sit here while I go over there and pray and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Remember, this is his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And he began to be grieved and distressed. And, you know, Jesus was fully God, but also fully man. He he really had to eat and go to the bathroom. And, and in this particular case here, you know, Jesus is really sensing what's about to happen. And he's going to go through a brutal crucifixion and arrest and, and get beaten. And he knows it. And as and his human part of him is really experiencing that right now, and the disciples, you know, they're they're getting warnings about what's going to happen, but they just can't see it, and it's in the middle of the night, and and they're getting tired, and they're falling asleep. But Jesus, knowing what's about to happen, he just can't he can't rest. Um, keep remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, "My Father." If it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And, you know, Jesus knew he was going to the cross. And although it would have been nice not to have to go, he's going to follow through on doing God's will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And, you know, that was just that very night. But we now, as we wait for the return of Jesus, we have to make sure that we keep watching and praying and that we don't enter into temptation, but that we continue to follow the Lord all the way until he comes again or comes to take us home. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My Father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, the faithful Jesus following through. And he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up and let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Jesus could sense their arrival And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, can you believe it? One of the 12 came up and accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs who came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one Seize him. And immediately Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And he indeed was betrayed with a kiss. Unbelievable to think of Judas. I mean, literally Satan entered him to do this. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached out and drew out his sword. This is Peter. And struck the slave on the high priest and cut off his ear. And here again we have Matthew not wanting to point out Peter. Isn't that interesting? Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? You know, and after just going through Christmas and seeing all the angels celebrate the birth of Christ, I just have no doubt that the angels could have done whatever God wanted them to do. But Jesus was determined he was going to go to the cross. How then will the scriptures be fulfilled, which says that it must happen this way? And that, you know, you could look to the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, talking about how Jesus is going to bear our iniquities and be the lamb that was led to his shears. And, and I believe that's what Jesus is referring to there. At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. And that's why the Old Testament is so important because it pointed to what Jesus was going to do for us. And, you know, they came in the cover of the night to arrest Jesus versus when he was in the midst of the temple and people were listening to him because who knows what would have, the crowds would have done. Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. They're already, But Jesus was following him, excuse me, but Peter was following him at a distance. That's kind of interesting, you know. Peter gets a bad rap a lot of times, but even after he just cut off, one of the guy's ears. Instead of just running away, Peter followed Jesus into the courtyard as the high priest entered in and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. Now, the chief priest and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. They did not find any. They're having a hard po- time getting people to testify, even though many false witnesses came forward. But later on, two came forward and said, This man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And he was really referring to the fact that Jesus being the temple of God was going to, in three days, rise again. And now Jesus wouldn't reside, his spirit wouldn't reside in man-made temples, but he resides in us. We are now become the temple of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? He wanted for them to kill him, so they misinterpreted what he had to say. And it, it helps lead to the place that he was going to go, the cross for us. The high priest stood up and said to him, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And you might remember that as before, before the shears, he kept silent. And you can read about that in Isaiah 53. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God, Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And here Jesus is referring to the fact that he's coming again. And, you know, this was, uh, he did say something here, and it was definitely going to help lead to the cross. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. Is he's making himself out to be someone who's going to come back from the dead and, and uh, like God would, and, and they're, they're ready to put him on the cross. What do you think? They answered, he deserves death. Well, you know, they're going to put him there, but he, he, he uh, what, what they're doing, they do not know what they're going to do. And uh, Jesus Christ is going to die as our lamb. Hallelujah. Then they spat on his face and beat him. You can read all about that in Isaiah 53. uh, uh, Predictions, prophecies about this very kind of thing. And with their fists and others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who who is the one who hit you. And now they're mocking him. Again, talked about in Isaiah 53. Now Jesus, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him and said, you too were with Jesus the Galilean, but he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you're talking about. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, this is the man who is with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. Peter's worried about being arrested and he's not thinking straight. And what Jesus said is about to come true. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. Sounding like a Galilean, I suppose. Then he began to curse and swear. Wow, I do not know the man. Matthew didn't even want to record what he said, but he cursed and swore. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said before a rooster crows. You will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter's going to be a broken man as a result of this. Just hours earlier, there's no way I'm going to deny him. And yet he did. But Jesus, being a great leader, as we read about in the Gospel of John, he's going to restore Peter. And you can read about that in John 21. He's going to say, Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, serve me even to the point of death. And, and Peter does. He faithfully serves Jesus all the way till one day he dies many years later. Now listen to what it says in verse 1 of chapter 27. Now when morning came, and it appears that rooster crowed just like it did for me that morning, right before morning came is when Jesus, when Peter denied the Lord, the rooster crowed. And uh, there we have it. So many incredible things happening in Matthew 26. But please never forget that Passover is only one day in a year and Jesus Christ shed his blood to save us from our sins on one that one day, ushering in the new covenant. So many great fulfillments. May it boost your faith as it has mine. God bless you all.